0: Section zero of Aesop's Fables, a new revised version by Aesop. This sleepervox recording is in the public domain. Preface. The following are some of Aesop's best loved fables. The Goose with the Golden Eggs. A certain man had the good fortune to possess a goose that laid him a golden egg every day, but dissatisfied with so slow an income. And, thinking to seize the whole treasure at once, he killed the goose, and, cutting her open, found her just what any other goose would be. Much wants more and loses all. THE TOWN MOUSE AND THE COUNTRY MOUSE A country mouse invited a town mouse, an intimate friend, to pay him a visit and partake of his country fare. As they were on the bare ploughed lands, eating their wheat stalks and roots pulled up from the hedgerow, the town mouse said to his friend, "'You live here the life of the ants, while in my house is the horn of plenty. I am surrounded with every luxury, and if you will come with me, as I much wish you would, you shall have an ample share of my dainties.' The country mouse was easily persuaded, and returned to town with his friend on his arrival the town mouse placed before him bread barley beans dried figs honey raisins and last of all brought a dainty piece of cheese from the basket the country mouse being much delighted at the sight of such good cheer expressed his satisfaction in warm terms and lamented his own hard fate just as they were beginning to eat Someone opened the door, and they both ran off squeaking as fast as they could, to a hole so narrow that two could only find room in it by squeezing. They had scarcely again begun their repast, when someone entered to take something out of a cupboard, on which the two mice, more frightened than before, ran away and hid themselves. At last the country mouse, almost famished, thus addressed his friend. Although you have prepared for me so dainty a feast, I must leave you to enjoy it by yourself. It is surrounded by too many dangers to please me. Better a little in safety than an abundance surrounded by danger. THE MILKMAID AND HER POT OF MILK A maid was carrying her pail of milk to the farmhouse when she fell amusing, the money for which this milk will be sold will buy at least three hundred eggs the eggs allowing for all mishaps will produce two hundred and fifty chickens the chickens will become ready for market when poultry will fetch the highest price so that by the end of the year i shall have money enough to buy a new gown in this dress i will go to the christmas junketings when all the young fellows will propose to me but I will toss my head and refuse them every one. At this moment she tossed her head in unison with her thoughts, when down fell the milk-pot to the ground and broke into a hundred pieces, and all her fine schemes perished in a moment. Count not your chickens before they are hatched. THE MAN AND THE SATYR A man and a satyr once formed a bond of alliance. One very cold wintry day, as they talked together, the man put his fingers in his mouth and blew on them. On the satyr inquiring the reason, he told him that he did it to warm his hands. Later on in the day they sat down to eat, the food prepared being quite scalding. The man raised one of his dishes towards his mouth and blew in it. On the satyr again inquiring the reason, He said that he did it to cool the meat. "'I can no longer consider you as a friend,' said the satyr. "'A fellow who with the same breath blows hot and cold I could never trust. "'A man who talks for both sides is not to be trusted by either.'" THE MICE IN COUNCIL The mice summoned a council to decide how they might best devise means for obtaining notice of the approach of their great enemy, the cat. Among the many plans devised, the one that found most favor was the proposal to tie a bell to the neck of the cat, that the mice, being warned by the sound of the tinkling, might run away and hide themselves in their holes at his approach. But when the mice further debated who among them should thus bell the cat, there was no one found to do it. Let those who propose be willing to perform. The Fighting Cocks and the Eagle Two game cocks were fiercely fighting for the mastery of the farmyard. One at last put the other to flight. The vanquished cock skulked away and hid himself in a quiet corner. The Conqueror, flying up to a high wall, flapped his wings and crowed exultingly with all his might. An eagle, sailing through the air, pounced upon him and carried him off in his talons. The vanquished cock immediately came out of his corner and ruled henceforth with undisputed mastery. Pride goes before destruction. THE LION AND THE MOUSE A lion was awakened from sleep by a mouse running over his face. Rising up in anger, he caught him and was about to kill him, when the mouse piteously entreated, saying, "'If you would only spare my life, I would be sure to repay your kindness.' The lion laughed and let him go. It happened shortly after that that the lion was caught by some hunters who bound him by strong ropes to the ground. The mouse, recognizing his roar, came up and gnawed the rope with his teeth and setting him free exclaimed you ridicule the idea of my ever being able to help you not expecting to receive from me any repayment for your favor but now you know that it is possible for even a mouse to confer benefits on a lion no one is too weak to do good the crow and the pitcher a crow perishing with thirst, saw a pitcher, and, hoping to find water, flew to it with great delight. When he reached it he discovered to his grief that it contained so little water that he could not possibly get at it. He tried everything he could think of to reach the water, but all his efforts were in vain. At last he collected as many stones as he could carry, and dropped them one by one with his beak into the pitcher, until he brought the water within his reach and thus saved his life. Necessity is the mother of invention. THE FOX AND THE CROW A crow, having stolen a bit of meat, perched in a tree and held it in her beak. A fox, seeing her, longed to possess himself of the meat, and by a wily stratagem succeeded how handsome is the crow he exclaimed in the beauty of her shape and in the fairness of her complexion oh if her voice were only equal to her beauty she would deservedly be considered the queen of birds this he said deceitfully having greater admiration for the meat than for the crow but the crow all her vanity aroused by the cunning flattery and anxious to refute the reflection cast upon her voice set up a loud caw and dropped the meat the fox quickly picked it up and thus addressed the crow my good crow your voice is right enough but your wit is wanting he who listens to flattery is not wise for it has no good purpose the shepherd's boy and wolf a shepherd boy who watched a flock of sheep near a village brought out the villagers three or four times by crying wolf wolf and when his neighbors came to help him laughed at them for their pains the wolf however did truly come at last the shepherd boy now really alarmed shouted in an agony of terror pray do come and help me the wolf is killing the sheep but no one paid any heed to his cries there is no believing a liar even when he speaks the truth. THE FOX AND THE GRAPES A famished fox saw some clusters of ripe black grapes hanging from a trellised vine. She resorted to all her tricks to get at them, but wearied herself in vain, for she could not reach them. At last she turned away, beguiling herself of her disappointment and saying, The grapes are sour and not ripe as I thought. Revile not things beyond your reach, the ants and the grasshopper, the ants were employing a fine winter's day in drying grain collected in the summer time. A grasshopper perishing with famine, passed by and earnestly begged for a little food. The ants inquired of him, "Why do you not treasure up food during the summer?" He replied, "I had not leisure." I passed the days in singing. Then they said, If you were foolish enough to sing all the summer, you must dance supperless to bed in the winter. Idleness brings want. THE FOX AND THE STORK The fox invited the stork to dinner, and provided nothing but a soup in a wide, shallow dish. This he could lap up with ease, but the stork, who could but just dip in the point of his bill, was not a bit better. A few days after he returned the compliment, and invited the fox, but suffered nothing to be brought to the table but some minced meat in a glass jar, the neck of which was so deep and so narrow that, though the stork with his long bill could eat very well, all that the fox could do was to lick the brims. Reynard was heartily vexed but owned that he had been used as he deserved those who practice cunning must expect to suffer by it end of section 0 section 1 of aesop's fables a new revised version this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain FOR MORE INFORMATION, OR TO VOLUNTEER, PLEASE VISIT LibriVox.org Recording by Phil Chenever in Baton Rouge, Louisiana Aesop's Fables, a new revised version, section 1 THE WOLF-TURNED SHEPHERD A wolf finding that the sheep were so afraid of him that he could not get near them, disguised himself in the dress of a shepherd, and thus attired approached the flock. As he came near he found the shepherd fast asleep. As the sheep did not run away, he resolved to imitate the voice of the shepherd. In trying to do so he only howled and awoke the shepherd. As he could not run away he was soon killed. Those who attempt to act in disguise are apt to overdo it. THE STAG AT THE POOL A stag saw his shadow reflected in the water, and greatly admired the size of his horns, but felt angry with himself for having such weak feet. While he was thus contemplating himself, a lion appeared at the pool. The stag betook himself to flight, and kept himself with ease at a safe distance from the lion, until he entered a wood and became entangled with his horns. The lion quickly came up with him, and caught him. When too late he thus reproached himself, Woe is me! How have I deceived myself! These feet which would have saved me I despised and i gloried in these antlers which have proved my destruction what is most truly valuable is often underrated the fox and the mask a fox entered the house of an actor and rummaging through all his properties came upon a mask an admirable imitation of a human head he placed his paws on it and said what a beautiful head yet it is of no value as it entirely wants brains a fair face is of little use without sense the bear and the fox a boar boasted very much of his philanthropy saying that of all the animals he was the most tender in his regard for man for he had such respect for him that he would not even touch his dead body a fox hearing these words said with a smile to the bear oh that you would eat the dead and not the living we should not wait till a person is dead to give him our respect the wolf and the lamb a wolf meeting with a lamb astray from the fold resolved not to lay violent hands on him but to find some plea which should justify to the lamb himself his right to eat him he then addressed him "'Sir, last year you grossly insulted me.' "'Indeed,' pleaded the lamb, in a mournful tone of voice, "'I was not then born.' "'Then,' said the wolf, "'you feed in my pasture.' "'No, good sir,' replied the lamb, "'I have not yet tasted grass.' "'Again,' said the wolf, "'you drink at my well.' "'No,' exclaimed the lamb, "'I never yet drank water.' for as yet my mother's milk is both food and drink to me on which the wolf seized him and ate him up saying well i won't remain supperless even though you refute every one of my imputations the tyrant will always find a pretext for his tyranny and it is useless for the innocent to try by reasoning to get justice when the oppressor intends to be unjust the one-eyed doe a doe blind of an eye was accustomed to graze as near to the edge of the sea as she possibly could to secure greater safety she turned her eye toward the land that she might perceive the approach of a hunter or hound and her injured eye toward the sea from which she entertained no anticipation of danger some boatmen sailing by saw her and, taking a successful aim, mortally wounded her. Said she, "Oh wretched creature that I am, to take such precaution against the land, and, after all, to find this seashore, to which I had come for safety, so much more perilous. Danger sometimes comes from a source that is least suspected. THE DOG, COCK, AND FOX A dog and a cock, traveling together, took shelter at night in a thick wood. The cock perched himself on a high branch, while the dog found a bed at the foot of the tree. When morning dawned, the cock, as usual, crowed very loudly. A fox, hearing the sound and wishing to make a breakfast on him, came and stood under the branches, saying how earnestly he desired to make the acquaintance of the owner of so sweet a voice. "'If you will admit me,' said he, "'I should very much like to spend the day with you.' The cock said, "'Sir, do me the favor to go round and wake up my porter, "'that he may open the door and let you in.' On the fox approaching the tree the dog sprang out and caught him and quickly tore him to pieces. Those who try to entrap others are often caught by their own schemes." THE MOUSE, THE FROG, AND THE HAWK A mouse, by an unlucky chance, formed an intimate acquaintance with a frog. The frog, one day intent on mischief, bound the foot of the mouse tightly to his own. Thus joined together, the frog led his friend toward the pool in which he lived, until he reached the very brink, when suddenly, jumping in, he dragged the mouse in with him. The frog enjoyed the water amazingly, and swam croaking about as if he had done a meritorious action. The unhappy mouse was soon suffocated with the water, and his dead body floated about on the surface, tied to the foot of the frog. A hawk observed it, and, pouncing upon it, carried it up aloft. The frog, being still fastened to the leg of the mouse, was also carried off a prisoner And was eaten by the hawk harm hatch harm catch the dog and the oyster a dog used to eating eggs saw an oyster and opening his mouth to its widest extent swallowed it down with the utmost relish supposing it to be an egg soon afterwards suffering great pain in his stomach he said I deserve all this torment for my folly in thinking that everything round must be an egg. Who acts in haste repents at leisure. THE WOLF AND THE SHEPHERDS A wolf passing by saw some shepherds in a hut eating for their dinner a haunch of mutton. Approaching them he said, What a clamor you would raise if I were to do as you are doing men are too apt to condemn in others the very things they practise themselves the hares and the frogs the hares oppressed with a sense of their own exceeding timidity and weary of the perpetual alarm to which they were exposed with one accord determined to put an end to themselves and their troubles by jumping from a lofty precipice into a deep lake below As they scampered off in a very numerous body to carry out their resolve, the frogs, lying on the banks of the lake, heard the noise of their feet, and rushed helter-skelter to the deep water for safety. On seeing the rapid disappearance of the frogs, one of the hares cried out to his companions, "'Stay, my friends. Do not do as you intended, for you now see that other creatures who yet live are more timorous than ourselves.' We are encouraged by seeing others that are worse off than ourselves. THE LION AND THE BOAR On a summer day, when the great heat induced a general thirst, a lion and a boar came at the same moment to a small well to drink. They fiercely disputed which of them should drink first, and were soon engaged in the agonies of a mortal combat. On their stopping on a sudden to take breath for the fierce renewal of the strife, they saw some vultures waiting in the distance to feast on the one which should fall first. They at once made up their quarrel, saying, It is better for us to make friends than to become the food of crows or vultures, as will certainly happen if we are disabled. Those who strive are often watched by them who will take advantage of their defeat to benefit themselves. The Mischievous Dog A dog used to run up quietly to the heels of those he met, and to bite them without notice. His master sometimes suspended a bell about his neck that he might give notice of his presence wherever he went, and sometimes he fastened a chain about his neck, to which was attached a heavy clog, so that he could not be so quick at biting people's heels. The dog grew proud of his bell and clog, and went with them all over the market-place an old hound said to him why do you make such an exhibition of yourself that bell and clog that you carry are not believe me orders of merit but on the contrary marks of disgrace a public notice to all men to avoid you as an ill-mannered dog those who achieve notoriety often mistake it for fame THE QUACK-FROG A frog once made proclamation to all the beasts that he was a learned physician and able to heal all diseases. A fox asked him, How can you pretend to prescribe for others and you are unable to heal your own lame gait and wrinkled skin? Those who pretend that they can mend others should first mend themselves and then they will be more readily believed. THE ASS, THE FOX, AND THE LION The ass and the fox, having entered into a partnership together, went out into the forest to hunt. They had not proceeded far when they met a lion. The fox approached the lion and promised to contrive for him the capture of the ass, if he would pledge his word that his own life should be spared. On his assuring him that he would not injure him, the fox led the ass to a deep pit, and contrived that he would fall into it. The lion, seeing that the ass was secured, immediately clutched the fox, and then attacked the ass at his leisure. Traitors must expect treachery. THE WOLF AND THE SHEEP A wolf, being sick and maimed, called to a sheep who was passing and asked him to fetch some water from the stream. For, he said, if you will bring me drink, "'I will find means to provide myself with meat.' "'Yes,' said the sheep. "'If I should bring you draught, "'you would doubtless make me provide the meat also. "'Hypocritical speeches are easily seen through.' THE COCK AND THE JEWEL A cock, scratching for food for himself and his hens, "'found a precious stone, on which he said, "'If thy owner had found thee and not I,' He would have taken thee up, and have set thee in the first estate, but I have found thee for no purpose. I would rather have one barleycorn than all the jewels in the world. THE RAVEN AND THE SWAN A raven saw a swan, and desired to secure for himself a like beauty of plumage. Supposing that his splendid white color arose from his washing in the water in which he swam, The raven left the altars in the neighborhood of which he picked up his living, and took up his abode in the lakes and pools, but cleansing his feathers as often as he would, he could not change their color, while through want of food he perished. Change of habit cannot alter nature. THE LIONESS A controversy prevailed among the beasts of the field as to which of the animals deserved the most credit for producing the greatest number of whelps at a birth. They rushed clamorously into the presence of the lioness and demanded of her the settlement of the dispute. And you, they said, how many sons have you at a birth? The lioness laughed at them and said, Why, I have only one, but that one is altogether a thoroughbred lion. The value is in the worth. Not in the number. End of section one. Section two of Aesop's Fables, a new revised version. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The two pots. A river carried down in its stream two pots, one made of earthenware and the other of brass. As they floated along on the surface of the stream, the earthen-pot said to the brass-pot, Pray keep at a distance, and do not come near me, for if you touch me ever so slightly, I shall be broken in pieces, and besides, I by no means wish to come near you. Equals make the best friends. THE gnat AND THE LION A gnat came and said to a lion, i do not the least fear you nor are you stronger than i am for in what does your strength consist you can scratch with your claws and bite with your teeth so can a woman in her quarrels i repeat that i am altogether more powerful than you and if you doubt it let us fight and see who will conquer the gnat having sounded his horn fastened itself upon the lion and stung him on the nostrils the lion trying to crush him tore himself with his claws until he punished himself severely the gnat thus prevailed over the lion and buzzing about in a song of triumph flew away but shortly afterwards he became entangled in the meshes of a cobweb and was eaten by a spider he greatly lamented his fate saying Woe is me that I, who can wage war successfully with the hugest beasts, should perish myself from this spider. The Widow and Her Little Maidens A widow woman, fond of cleaning, had two little maidens to wait on her. She was in the habit of waking them early in the morning, at cockcrow. The maidens, being aggrieved by such excessive labor, resolved to kill the cock who roused their mistress so early. When they had done this, they found that they had only prepared for themselves greater troubles, for their mistress, no longer hearing the cock, was unable to tell the time, and so woke them up to their work in the middle of the night. Unlawful acts to escape trials only increase our troubles. THE FOX AND THE LION A fox who had never yet seen a lion, when he fell in with him by a certain chance for the first time in the forest, was so frightened that he was near dying from fear. On his meeting with him for the second time, he was still much alarmed, but not to the same extent as at first. On seeing him the third time, he was so increased in boldness that he went up to him and commenced a familiar conversation with him. Acquaintance Softens Prejudices The Town Mouse and the Country Mouse A country mouse invited a town mouse, an intimate friend, to pay him a visit and partake of his country fare. As they were on the bare plow-lands, eating their wheat stalks and roots pulled up from the hedgerow, The town-mouse said to his friend, "'You live here the life of the ants, while in my house is the horn of plenty. I am surrounded with every luxury, and if you will come with me, as I much wish you would, you shall have an ample share of my dainties.' The country-mouse was easily persuaded, and returned to town with his friend. On his arrival the town-mouse placed before him bread, barley, beans, dried figs, honey, raisins, and, last of all, brought a dainty piece of cheese from a basket. The country mouse, being much delighted at the sight of such good cheer, expressed his satisfaction in warm terms and lamented his own hard fate. Just as they were beginning to eat, someone opened the door, and they both ran off squeaking as fast as they could to a hole so narrow that two could only find room in it by squeezing. They had scarcely again begun their repast when someone else entered to take something out of a cupboard, on which the two mice, more frightened than before, ran away and hid themselves. At last the country mouse, almost famished, thus addressed his friend Although you have prepared for me so dainty a feast, i must leave you to enjoy it by yourself it is surrounded by too many dangers to please me better a little in safety than an abundance surrounded by danger the monkey and the dolphin a sailor bound on a long voyage took with him a monkey to amuse him while on shipboard as he sailed off the coast of greece a violent tempest arose in which the ship was wrecked and he his monkey and all the crew were obliged to swim for their lives a dolphin saw the monkey contending with the waves and supposing him to be a man whom he is always said to befriend came and placed himself under him to convey him on his back in safety to the shore when the dolphin arrived with his burden in sight of land not far from Athens he demanded of the monkey if he were an Athenian who answered that he was, and that he was descended from one of the noblest families in that city. The dolphin then inquired if he knew Piraeus, the famous harbor of Athens. The monkey, supposing that a man was meant, and being obliged to support his previous lie, answered that he knew him very well, and that he was an intimate friend, who would no doubt be very glad to see him. The dolphin indignant at these falsehoods dipped the monkey under the water and drowned him he who once begins to tell falsehoods is obliged to tell others to make them appear true and sooner or later they will get him into trouble the gamecocks and the partridge a man had two gamecocks in his poultry yard one day by chance he fell in with a tame partridge for sale. He purchased it and brought it home that it might be reared with his gamecocks. On its being put into the poultry-yard, they struck at it and followed it about, so that the partridge was grievously troubled in mind, and supposed that he was thus badly treated because he was a stranger. Not long afterwards he saw the cocks fighting together and not separating before one had well beaten the other. He then said to himself, "'I shall no longer distress myself at being struck at by these Gamecocks, when I see that they cannot even refrain from quarrelling with each other. Strangers should avoid those who quarrel among themselves.' THE BOY AND THE NETTLE A boy was stung by a nettle. He ran home and told his mother, saying, "'Although it pains me so much, "'I did but touch it ever so gently.' "'That was just it,' said his mother, "'which caused it to sting you. "'The next time you touch a nettle, "'grasp it boldly, "'and it will be soft as silk to your hand "'and not in the least hurt you. "'Whatever you do, do with all your might.' THE TRUMPETER TAKEN PRISONER A trumpeter, bravely leading on the soldiers, was captured by the enemy he cried out to his captors pray spare me and do not take my life without cause or without injury i have not slain a single man of your troop i have no arms and carry nothing but this one brass trumpet that is the very reason for which you should be put to death they said for while you do not fight yourself your loud trumpet stirs up all the other soldiers to battle HE WHO INCITES STRIFE IS AS GUILTY AS THEY WHO STRIVE. THE FATAL MARRIAGE The lion, touched with gratitude by the noble procedure of a mouse, and resolving not to be outdone in generosity by any wild beast whatsoever, desired his little deliverer to name his own terms, for that he might depend upon his complying with any proposal he should make the mouse fired with ambition at this gracious offer, did not so much consider what was proper for him to ask as what was in the powers of his prince to grant, and so demanded his princely daughter, the young lioness, in marriage. The lion consented, but when he would have given the royal virgin into his possession, she, like a giddy thing as she was, not minding how she walked, By chance set her paw upon her spouse, who was coming to meet her, and crushed him to pieces. Beware of unequal matches. Alliances prompted by ambition often prove fatal. THE ASS AND THE CHARGER As an ass congratulated a horse on being so ungrudgingly and carefully provided for, while he himself had scarcely enough to eat, nor even that without hard work but when war broke out the heavy armed soldier mounted the horse and rushed into the very midst of the enemy and the horse being wounded fell dead on the battlefield then the ass seeing all these things changed his mind and commiserated the horse saying how much more fortunate am i than a charger i can remain at home in safety while he is exposed to all the perils of war be not hasty to envy the condition of others the vain jackdaw jupiter determined it is said to create a sovereign over the birds and made a proclamation that on a certain day they should all present themselves before him when he would choose the most beautiful among them to be king The jackdaw, knowing his own ugliness, searched through the woods and fields and collected the feathers which had fallen from the wings of his companions and stuck them to all parts of his body. When the appointed day arrived and the birds had assembled before Jupiter, the jackdaw also made his appearance in his many-feathered finery. On Jupiter, proposing to make him king on account of the beauty of his plumage, the birds indignantly protested, and each plucking from him his own feathers, the jackdaw was again nothing but a jackdaw. Hope not to succeed in borrowed plumes. THE MILKMAID AND HER POT OF MILK A maid was carrying her pail of milk to the farmhouse when she fell amusing. The money for which this milk will be sold will buy at least three hundred eggs. The eggs, allowing for all mishaps, will produce two hundred and fifty chickens. The chickens will become ready for market when poultry will fetch the highest price, so that by the end of the year I shall have money enough to buy a new gown. In this dress, I will go to the Christmas junketings, when all the young fellows will propose to me, but I will toss my head and refuse them every one at this moment she tossed her head in unison with her thoughts when down fell the milk-pot to the ground and broke into a hundred pieces and all her fine schemes perished in a moment count not your chickens before they are hatched the playful ass an ass climbed up to the roof of a building and frisking about there broke in the tiling The owner went up after him and quickly drove him down, beating him severely with a thick wooden cudgel. The ass said, "'Why, I saw the monkey do this very thing yesterday, and you all laughed heartily, as if it afforded you very great amusement. Those who do not know their right place must be taught it.'" THE MAN AND THE SATYR A man and a satyr once formed a bond of alliance. On a very cold wintry day, as they talked together, the man put his fingers to his mouth and blew on them. On the satyr inquiring the reason, he told him that he did it to warm his hands. Later on in the day, they sat down to eat, the food prepared being quite scalding. The man raised one of his dishes towards his mouth and blew in it. On the satyr again inquiring the reason, he said that he did it to cool the meat. "'I can no longer consider you as a friend,' said the satyr. "'A fellow who with the same breath blows hot and cold, "'I could never trust. "'A man who talks for both sides is not to be trusted by either.'" The Oak and the Reeds A very large oak was uprooted by the wind and thrown across a stream. It fell among some reeds which it thus addressed. I wonder how you, who are so light and weak, are not entirely crushed by these strong winds. They replied, You fight and contend with the wind, and consequently you are destroyed, while we, on the contrary, bend before the least breath of air, and therefore remain unbroken. Stoop to conquer." THE HUNTSMAN AND THE FISHERMAN A huntsman, returning with his dogs from the field, fell in by chance with the fisherman, bringing home a basket laden with fish. The huntsman wished to have the fish, and their owner expressed an equal longing for the contents of the game-bag. They quickly agreed to exchange the produce of their day's sport. Each was so well pleased with this bargain, that they made for some time the same exchange day after day. A neighbor said to them, If you go on in this way, you will soon destroy, by frequent use, the pleasure of your exchange, and each will again wish to retain the fruits of his own sport. Pleasures are heightened by abstinence. THE MOTHER AND THE WOLF a famished wolf was prowling about in the morning in search of food as he passed the door of a cottage built in the forest he heard a mother say to her child be quiet or i will throw you out of the window and the wolf shall eat you the wolf sat all day waiting at the door in the evening he heard the same woman fondling her child and saying he is quiet now and if the wolf should come we will kill him The wolf, hearing these words, went home, gaping with cold and hunger. Be not in haste to believe what is said in anger or thoughtlessness. THE SHEPHERD AND THE WOLF A shepherd once found a young wolf and brought it up, and after a while taught it to steal lambs from the neighboring flocks. The wolf, having shown himself an apt pupil, said to the shepherd, Since you have taught me to steal, you must keep a sharp lookout, or you will lose some of your own flock. The vices we teach may be practiced against us. THE DOVE AND THE CROW A dove, shut up in a cage, was boasting of a large number of the young ones which she had hatched. A crow hearing her said, My good friend! Cease from this unreasonable boasting. The larger the number of your family, the greater your cause of sorrow in seeing them shut up in this prison-house. To enjoy our blessings we must have freedom. End of section two.